Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. If the button will work, it'll work. Hi, yeah, good morning. I just pressed that button. It looked at me. Well, it's Monday and things things do things on Monday. Good morning. It's September 11. Ooh, I remember that day. Uh, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We got kind of a political, kind of a, financial week ahead, which is curious how that happened. In a moment, you're going to meet with Matthew Arrett. He's a, a journalist, a author, a co-founder of Rising Tide Foundation, a good guy. He's on from time to time and really a smart cookie. We like hanging out with smart cookies because then people think we're smart, but they, they don't know. See, and I don't know what I'm talking about. So we're going to talk to him about this thing called bricks, and it's not to build your house, but there are a bunch of countries that are going to build their own thing. And he thinks it's a big deal, and so do other people. And so we're going to go there in a second, set up the week. In a couple of hours, we're going to be visiting with Dave Wise. Patrick, your congenial host, screenwriter, is going to produce a, uh, a um, theater-ready, big-time production. I mean, big-time production uh, to prove, once and for all, whether or not we're on a spinning ball around the sun or if we're on an immovable plane, as people argue. NASA says uh, we're spinning around the sun. They have $26 billion a year to prove that, and a lot of people think it's just a slush fund. And So we're going to talk to, to Dave about that, get some ideas on how to produce this video, and we thought we would do it um, you know, with you so you could play along with the game. It's going to be a, a great project we're excited about. Tomorrow, Greg Marinara, Manorino, Greg is a feisty guy in the world of uh, geopolitics and money, and we've seen some of his stuff, and I think you'll enjoy him. He does not pull any punches on what he thinks is going in the world of money. And in the same regard, a friend of ours and uh, the author and uh, solicitor of Gold, Goats, and Guns, Tom Luongo, is going to be on on Wednesday. So see, I don't know how we ended up with all these political, maybe something really cool is going to be happening politically and financially this week. Maybe that's why we were led to do it. So here we are. You can call if you care to join us, 888-663-6386. Email patrick, oneradionetwork.com, September 11. As I said, Matthew is here and a journalist and a good guy. And Matthew, 22 years ago, Matthew, there was something that went on in the great city of New York. I, I didn't even realize we were on this anniversary. It just kind of happened like that. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, yeah. We didn't really plan this out in advance, but uh, <laughs> but indeed, the world went through uh, something pretty big, which I don't, I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate even now, 22 years later, what the hell happened. Um, I, I, despite the fact that a lot of people disagree with the official narrative, I, I don't think that there's a sense of what was behind that process of an inside job. Um, obviously, you know, yeah. three planes don't take down, or two planes don't take down three buildings. Um, right. I think we've all seen and, and processed that information and those those absurdities. But I think the uh, what the what the neoconservative movement was as far as this virus that per, that that transformed that inserted itself into the Republican Party that was formerly the party of Abraham Lincoln, and uh, and turned it into this Nazi-like Reich machine. Um, especially under the helm of people like Zbigniew Brzezinski, 
and uh, Donald Rumsfeld, who were brought in originally by David Rockefeller hmm. and the entire trilateral commission machinery of the 1970s, right? People often don't, and Dick Cheney, that was like Dick Cheney was also an advisor to Gerald Ford. And, and these creatures were something different than your typical conservative. And they grew and grew and grew. And I think Reagan so, didn't trust them, but didn't know, understand them either. You know, even when he, even after he got shot from uh, mm -hmm. a character Hinckley, who Hinkley, was yeah. a, an associate of the Bush, the Bush family, Bush senior having been a CIA director and, and trilateral himself, who would have become president in 1981 very quickly had that uh, assassination attempt been more successful. Reagan still came out of that, not fully understanding what was this tre treacherous um, parasite bubbling and growing and growing. And when finally this thing burst onto the scene after eight years, disastrous years of Bill Clinton and the Rhodes Scholars, who are sort of just another another flavor of internationalist globalism that took over in the, in the 90s, um, people didn't really anticipate the level of evil that would be unleashed. And, and it's interesting because now we're seeing like a convergence of both the the liberal internationalist globalist crowd of the the Rhodes Scholar intelligentsia, you know, who are mm. sort of occupying and taking over the Democratic Party over the dead bodies of people like Franklin Roosevelt and John F. Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy back in the 60s. So you had that hive take over and corrupt the, the so-called progressive Democratic, you know, uh, party. And then you had this other neoconservative apparatus that took over the, the conservative Republican Party, and both are now converging with John Bolton, people like John Bolton, Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney's daughter and, and Hillary Clinton, all sounding like they're the exact same person hmm. with like different bodies. So, so, so these, interesting. these two different uh, groups now, they're, what's their story? Do they just want to stop the other or just do their agenda or both? This is You're talking about the, the 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 liberal globalists and the and the conservative globalists. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, they, they were they were always it was always controlled opposition mm -hmm. uh, to destroy. Because I mean, look at John F. Kennedy, right? Like, if you look at his policies, the best of his policies that dealt with ending colonialism, um, you know, extracting the USA from unwinnable wars in Vietnam, um, his his program to uh, organize a, a continental water development infrastructure program to break out of the limits to growth. This required a lot of support and collaboration with patriotic Republicans. So you had the best of the Democrats, best of the Republicans, who didn't believe that America should be an empire, uh, working together in opposition to the, the, the Dean Rusks, the, you know, the the Rhodes Scholars who are occupying positions of authority around Alan Dulles, even who is facilitating the entry of a lot of these these foreign agents into U.S. intelligence and military, the military industrial complex. Lyman Lemnitzer was another major figure who headed the Joint Chiefs of Staff, many of whom JFK fired when he called for you know shutting down the CIA and breaking it into a thousand pieces back mm -hmm. in the, in '62. Um, this is right after he, he fired Charles Cabell, Richard Bissell. Richard Bissell also was the, the deputy director of operations who oversaw the uh, the covert assassination operations of the CIA and Area 51, uh, carrying out, you know, testing on experimental aircraft uh, while Bissell headed that operation. But Bissell, Cabell, um, Alan Dulles, Wyman Lemnitzer were the most vicious of the traitors 
who worked with the traitorous Democrats and the traitorous Republicans on both sides to transform the USA into a tool of empire on behalf of America's historic enemies, which happened to be the, you know, the land, the landed aristocracy and the old bloodlines across the ocean in Europe um, that had occupied a position within the British Empire as the center of command for the last few hundred years. So there's always been this other agency trying to destroy, tr transform America into a perversion of itself, really from the earliest days of 1776, wow. JFK resisted this. And I think today what we're seeing is sort of the natural convergence of these two groupings into the same beat frequency. And we really saw this already earlier on with like Obama going over in 2005 before he became president into Georgia, into Ukraine, helping to set up biolabs, which we know were put to work, were part of the broader apparatus that, that Victoria Newland, while she was working as the assistant for Dick Cheney and, and US representative for NATO, was was overseeing not, not just the growth of NATO, but she was also overseeing with you know Richard Kagan, her husband, Donald Kagan, who wrote the Project for New American Century document with uh, Paul Wolfowitz and company. Uh, this is before 9-11. This is the, the, the operation, the organization that, that established the call for a need for a new Pearl Harbor incident in order to rally and uh, unify America around a common enemy. Hmm. And, you know, they were, they were toying around with the idea of smallpox, weaponized smallpox in their, uh, their different war game scenarios, their tabletop exercises that they'd, they'd, they'd war gamed before 9-11. So, you know, you had Dark Winter, that was the, small, the weaponized smallpox attack from Saddam Hussein. That would then justify a U.S. military invasion of Iraq, which is always what they've wanted. And even Wesley Clark even admitted this back in 2005, the former head of NATO, yeah. even gave a speech saying, look, uh, back in the 90s, uh, uh, I was informed that the plan was to go and find a, a regime change, an excuse for regime change over against uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, uh, Iran. Lebanon was on the list. There was a couple of others. And uh, he was told this in the 90s. So, you know, you had Victoria Newland, you had this whole PNAC crowd. Newland then became somebody who was working very closely inside of the liberal democratic structures of Obama. Obama was deployed to set up as a senator, these biowarfare facilities with a Rhodes Scholar whose name I'm forgetting now. Um, he expanded this massively with the Asia pivot. Um, you know, putting all of US, the US military force around China's perimeter as a message to China to say, basically, get back into the New World Order script when it was looking like China was beginning to diverge and, and go off on its own. Um, so that was the encirclement, the military containment strategy, but also the, the setting up of biowarfare facilities in, in South Korea, the Jupiter, the Centaur programs that Obama set up in 2012. Uh, to experiment on on weaponized pathogens that are ethnically targeted, uh, utilizing you know smallpox, anthrax, other forms of uh, coronavirus. By the way, is my is my internet breaking up here? I'm, hey, I'm hey, noticing that every maybe now and then I get a little blip. Choppy. I get a little blip from you every now and then. But um, anything you can do about that? Probably not. No, it says here that I'm I'm I've got good internet connection, so I'm, I'm not too sure if it's the software we're using, the the Zoom or what. No, sorry. No. Well. I mean, it's just not, it's not terrible yet. We'll just keep going unless we have an issue. So, so we're, um, let's, let's kind of roll into bricks. And, and the, the article that I read, and I'm on your list uh, to get these articles, that this is a big deal. And this is much more than just uh, a bunch of countries getting together and doing some stuff. That this is really the fall. Is that how you put it? The fall of the, 
London-based economic system. This is what's going on. This is a big deal, the BRICS thing that we're going to talk about here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and uh, what is it? South America? No. Um, Yeah, it's uh, South Africa. South Africa. Is is a member uh, um, that joined in 2010. And then, but amongst them, you also have additional members now joining, like uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, um, Egypt, UAE uh-huh. will be joining as full members. Ethiopia is a is a major major player in Africa, one of the one of the more powerful economies, and and one of the only Afri- the only African nation to resist successfully colonialism over uh, hundreds of years. They were the only African country to to successfully keep their independence, even though they've suffered a lot for it. Um, so Ethiopia, which, which also hosts the Africa Union headquarters, uh, will also be coming a, a member very soon in, I think, January is the scheduled date for the BRICS 5 to become the BRICS 11. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So those are all pretty big milestone processes. Of course, there's still a, an underdefined uh, nature of the, like the battle itself is underdefined. We know that the, the, the Western banking structures that were created, especially with the early 70s, as the U.S. dollar was turned into a more of a weapon for destroying small countries who are resisting globalization and empire. That was what happened in the, in the early 70s. Instead of the U.S. dollar being what it was designed to be as an instrument for genuine growth and development and, and authentic investments, which is what authentic capitalism in the U.S. dollar was was premised around. That's the only way it could have off, like actual value. Um, if it's building things so that that was cut off and then by virtue of um, turning the US dollar into a speculative instrument because uh, you know in the days before 1971 you had what was known as the the fixed exchange rate right so uh, you know, goal, w- right. W- when you had a relatively fixed exchange rate amongst uh, currencies and, and especially the U.S. dollar was important because every nation since World War II had to have reserves of U.S. dollars um, in their coffers in order to settle transactions with their neighbors. That made sense. It made sense because the U.S. came out of World War II as the only country that was un- relatively unscathed, was very, very economically productive and powerful. So it made sense for for the U.S. dollar. It was like the the dollar because of the physical economy, the agro-industrial powerhouse of the USA. It made sense that that was like understood as better as better than gold in the sense, you know, uh, U.S. dollar is better than gold because of because of the real value of the U.S. economy. Um, so but the fixed exchange rate was the key that made this thing work. And yeah. what this was was an, an idea settled in Bretton Woods in 1944 which is that in order to stop the British Empire city of London, London practices of, dis- of economic terrorism against countries that the, the bankers of London didn't like, they would always, because before, before that it was the, 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 the pound sterling, which was the, the international world reserve currency for a long time. That was the basis of the, mm-hmm. the British Empire as a one world government. And one of the ways that they would keep nations in line is they would, they would speculate, they would keep on, on currencies, and that 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 highly fluctuating, volatile nature of currency valuations was able to prevent long-term thinking. So India, other nations weren't able to have a stability 
and a guarantee of stability needed to build hydroelectric dams that would take four, five, six, seven years. Big infrastructure projects in the colonies couldn't really happen. So with the fixed exchange rate, it guaranteed a relative stability. You kind of knew what the price or the value of the of the various currencies and especially the dollar was going to be in five years, in 10 years. You knew it wasn't going to be that volatile. So that created a, a climate where people were willing to invest uh, into projects that were big, like what John F. Kennedy was doing with his, you know, the, the hundreds of hydroelectric dams that were were begun under him. Um, right. So when that was destroyed. So, so the, these countries now are getting together and they're going to trade together. They're, um, do you think they're going to end up having maybe 30, 40 countries possibly? And do you think they want to do their own currency then to compete with the dollar? That's essentially where they're going. That's where they're going. They're not there yet. Like yeah, right now, there's, there's about 40 countries on the waiting list, uh, but it's very complicated to create a whole new currency quickly. Sure. I think it's going to speed up when the U.S. dollar collapses because the U.S. dollar is 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 a bubble that is designed to collapse. They they they. I think the oligarchy above the show wanted to collapse this thing years back, but mm. because certain things started falling out of their script, they couldn't puncture the bubbles as they had intended. And have had to try to buy time in order to subvert this other alternative uh, system of economics and security arrangements that have been growing around the multipolar uh, alliance. And sub and their their approach has been to state destabilize and subvert them from within using fifth columnists, deep state operatives within Russia, within India, within China, and other places to try to undo that. So they want to collapse it, uh, Matthew, because because the U.S. dollar is and was i mean they, because they've wanted to undo 1776 they, they've they've want the the ultimate objective of the oligarchy is to create global feudalism and right. the revolution of 1776 established on this earth a different type of system of government with a different type of political economy that emerged after 1789 tied to um authentic economic nationalism which allowed for the investment of national banking instruments, public credit for the improvement of a nation's people. Um, and that spread, it was contagious. A lot of people like this idea of liberty and taking their economic destiny into their own hands in the 19th century. And, um, and this had to be stopped. So they tried a couple of world wars. They tried various, a number of regime change operations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, this did a good, a, a good, I mean, an evil amount of work at destabilizing the net, the the momentum, the trajectory of a world that was that was blossoming in the late nineteenth century, of a world that was premised around what Lincoln was doing with the greenbacks, but also based upon international cooperation around big projects, Russian, Chinese, mm-hmm. Japanese, you know, German, French, South American. Everyone was sort of looking and moving in that direction of building rail, uh, using national banks, using protectionism to uh, encourage the development of, of manufacturing that would liberate them from the de- their dependency upon British maritime shipping monopolies and city of London controls of finance and credit. So that that was subverted and it came back, you know, the, the, the momentum was brought back towards this this goodness after World War uh, Two. But again, I, th- that driving force was represented by the figure of Franklin Roosevelt and his, his networks in America, many of whom were purged after his untimely death. And the US was turned ever increasingly into this battering ram for, for empire. 
JFK tried to bring it back again, but it was subverted. His brother tried to bring it back, the good uh, constitutional banking system. So the U.S. became a convenient tool both for military destruction of small countries, but also a, a tool of economic terrorism against countries using sanctioning right. of their currencies and things like that. And so they wanted to use the U.S. as the basis of a time bomb that would then destroy itself, yeah. create internal discord, civil war, like what the British Empire tried to do in the 1860s to create civil war to, to divide and conquer the, the 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 republic they tried to do it yet again um this is what we're currently witnessing as we as we speak and uh, it became a convenient way of blowing up the rest of the world's economies too because everybody has us dollars as well um mm -hmm. in their holdings so the BRICS nations have been trying to protect themselves from that oncoming tsunami they've been doing a lot to try to offer the West a chance to cooperate on peaceful projects um, that would that would help build back the physical economy. Um, and instead, they've found not too much willingness, except for maybe the figures of, of Donald Trump, um, Hungary's Orban, you know, there's there's a few figures who now and again came to some prominence in the Western transatlantic NATO environment, but very few. Mm -hmm. Most most of the representatives are, are technocratic puppets who haven't been willing to cooperate or work with the these Eurasian powers. And so then the policy is more towards war. Yeah. So, and, and just the initial BRICS, don't they control like 40% or 35 or 40% of the people, right, in these countries, right? In Britain, mm -hmm. Russia, India, China, South. And uh, what about the GDP? Do you, do you have any idea of what the BRICS would be compared with the West? Any idea? Yeah, right now it's um, it's it's increased to about thirty two point nine percent of the world GDP is represented by the the BRICS five. But 30. when the BRICS five becomes the BRICS eleven, that's going to raise to about thirty seven or thirty eight percent of the world GDP. Wow. The 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 G seven has collapsed down to about thirty point five percent or wow. so of the world GDP, and that's only going down um, partially because they've abused their their powers and. People People don't trust the U.S. dollar, and they don't trust hmm. the dishonest uh, practices of so the, the G7. So this de-dollarization that I've been reading about, Matthew Everett, it really is going on. This is a this is a big move in the last five, ten years, right? Big deal. People dumping the dollar, oh, yeah, yeah, getting yeah, out, selling their stuff yeah, or whatever they can, right? Increasing amounts of transactions being settled by. Uh, by yuan, the Chinese currency, uh, rubles, rupees. Uh, across the board. So, I mean, I think it was, I'm just using my memory here, but um, 2001, the share of uh, reserves in global, in, in US dollars was 73%. Today it's down to 58%. That's going down. Um, wow. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, the, 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 the there's still, it's still slow. It's not like, because people talk about this one, this new currency of BRICS currency. And again, as we're seeing, it's, it's, there's a lot of hoops to, to jump through, but the settlement of payments, like I think between China and Russia right now, it, it was 10 years ago, it was like almost 100% US dollars. Today, it's down to like 25% US dollars and the rest is in local currencies. Same thing for for settlements of Russian sales and oil to its partner countries mm -hmm. in Saudi Arabia, UAE, China, it's in rubles and in India, it's rupees. Um, and you have increasing amounts of local uh, currencies like that that are being used to uh, purchase um, bilateral trade, uh, you know, sure. goods through bilateral trade and things like that. What I'm really curious about is it appears like the IMF, the World Bank, the Bank of International Settlements and the UN kind of have people on a short 
a leash when it comes to their currencies and what they can do and what they can't do. They, they've figured out how to do that over the years. Will BRICS be able to do whatever they want to do without the approval of these IMF, World Bank, Bank of International Settlements, UN, and the rest of them? Are they going to just be able to do, Matthew, what they want to do? Well, they, they have to get to that place. Currently, the problem is that a lot of the structures associated with the, the, the BRICS international lending mechanisms, like the New Development Bank is a BRICS development bank right. that was created in 2014 with a very solid constitution. Um, the same thing for the AIIB, Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank, and the, there's another thing called the, uh, uh, the Collateral Reserve Agreement. Uh-huh. Uh, or currency reserve agreement, which allows it's kind of like a it does kind of like what the IMF was supposed to do as far as providing excess uh, money that that nations in need can draw upon uh, to capitalize their accounts and to invest in the economy. But the problem is a lot of these institutions are still wired to the best practices operating system that was defined by the IMF. Um, for example, so the BRICS Development Bank, despite the fact that Russia is a member, still um, follows U.S. sanction policy against Russia. Why? Because the BRICS Development Bank is, is under its charter currently wired to still, um, it, 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 it's linked to the U.S. dollar. So it forces the states to still abide by U.S. dollar. And so they, to get out of secondary sanctions, the, these countries are not trading or doing business with Russia, who's a member of the bank. How insane is that? Yeah, that now, is crazy. that's been criticized by many of the representatives of the BRICS nations. And I think that there's momentum to getting out of that, to changing their charter around that. And the same thing for the World Trade Organization, which has sort of still set the, the rules of the game um, that have been followed by a lot of these BRICS nations. So, um, hold on a second. Yeah, the WTO and that whole crowd, they go way back, right? I mean, they, they go way back of being... Yeah right in there. And so I guess is the SWIFT system still um, have a lot of juice even in the BRICS nations, the SWIFT dollar system? Well, the SWIFT system, they're, they're Russia, China, Africa have all um, created alternatives to the SWIFT. So they have their own uh, payment systems that they use outside of the SWIFT, which is again growing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the they're not fully liberated from these these controlling systems yet so again this is where i'm 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 noticing that a lot of those who are analyzing the multipolar alliance they have a problem where they tend to think of the future from the standpoint of a gradual extrapolation of present trends as if this can keep going in a gradualistic fashion and and they speak of you know in 10 years there will be this, this new BRICS currency in 10 years, right, right. or in 20 years, there'll be this. And it's like, it, these words in my mind are meaningless because they're all ignoring the systemic breakdown of the system that their minds are not able to look at or understand, which is what we're living in. It's a systemic breakdown, which is going to accelerate everything so fast when it reaches that next, it's like when a, a plane is going through uh, the sonic boom, you know, it speeds up and it speeds up gradually. But at a certain point, when it reaches Mach one, and the and the sound barrier, a boundary condition is hit, whereby um, you're entering a new geometry of space time. The the plane which is now moving past the sound barrier is it requires less effort, less energy from the plane to move, but it also requires new geometry. If the if the plane itself was using the old design structures 
the sound barrier, it would break up and blow up and kill the pilot. So it's like that for an economy too. It, the 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 new system that we're we're moving through that boundary condition, um, and the unpayable debts, the rates of 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 bubble upon bubble upon bubble, it's all exploding. And now mm. the, the the fight that I see is over whether the new system, and there there's going to be like another Bretton Woods style 1944 emergency conference that that's going to happen. And it looks like there's going to be two such conferences, and one conference is going to be based upon an idea of values and the role of government, which is tied to the sort of thing I've been talking about with what JFK, Franklin Roosevelt, Lincoln, the best of, of the American experience represented as far as a physical economy with a focus on creating abundance and forcing currencies, whatever the currency may be, whether it's tied to a, 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 a commodities basket of produced goods, the way Sergei Glazyev um, is, is talking about, or some mixture of gold and other other metals or uh, that's tied to an, an aspect of digital banking, whatever the case may be, the, the process underlying that new currency is either going to be based upon creating scarcity to contract the world population, resulting in the mass murder of about 80 to 90 percent of the world's living population, or it's going to be based on the types of activity we see coming out of China's uh, paradigm and their practices of, of investing into the real economy, creating abundance, pulling people out of poverty, like a billion people have been pulled out of poverty by China's um, efforts alone of the past 25 years. So that's a different way of thinking, you know, yeah. building peace agreements, working to give people education, higher standards of living, all of that. So there, there's there's two different views or, uh, that are clashing that I, that I see that have similarities on the surface. They use similar words. But they're, the, 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 uh, the idea of human nature, the idea of value is totally different. It's like they're living in two different universes. All of the words nominally are yeah, often right. similar words. So, you know? so where do the one-worlders, the World Economic Forum and Davos crowd, where do they stand with these, these other two views? Are they separate or are they part of the, the two views you just uh, elucidated? Yeah, they're death cults. They're, yeah, death, they're, 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 they're just weird. <laughs> yeah. They're just psychopaths. Yeah, they're 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 religiously committed. Okay. Uh, it's an occult, I would even say, satanic um, operating system at the top, <laughs> right. um, which is religiously committed to evil. <laughs> they're just bad dudes, uh, but masquerading under maybe. I don't think they wake up in the morning thinking that they're going to do evil today. But I think that there's this um, this idea of um, of within liberalism, which is ultimately something extremely poisonous british mm -hmm. uh, liberalism have you heard of, you know what i mean when i say british liberalism i don't know british liberalism i don't know what that means um well when people say like the rules-based liberal international order um th th what they're referring to is a philosophical movement that grew out of Br the british empiricism of the enlightenment people like john locke uh mm -hmm. adam smith David Hume, David Ricardo, these are all British empiricists, Thomas Malthus, and the, the empiricists movement, Isaac Newton, were, were all, uh, it, was, it was a new ideology that presumed that truth, the path to truth was known through the senses. And because all you had are the five senses to know tr truth, there is no truth. Because <laughs> you can't know, you know, um, like, 
there's nothing universal that the five senses can know. You'll never, you can have an idea of humanity, but it's just an abstract idea. You can only know people. You'll never see with your eyes all of the people all at once that ever have been, are, and ever will be. So the, the, these British empiricists said, these abstract ideas are relatively meaningless. Ideas of justice, ideas of like any ontological truth, meaningless. What is truth, because we only know or have our senses, is who has the power to control the definitions and the rules uh, of, shaping the world. Of what the truth That's is. That's what's true. That's what's true. Huh? That's what's truth. Yeah. We get to make up what is true. This is, this is what we get. Basically, that's exactly it. We get to make up what's true. If we have the power, it's very Darwinian. Darwin's system actually emerged out of this. And um, and it was all always based on this, this premise of evil. Because at the end of the day, when you look at those who are promoting this, did they believe that there was no truth? Well, not necessarily. When you look at the fact that, you know, the leading leading um, oligarchs who were promoting this ideology, did Adam Smith believe in hidden hands, self-regulating the marketplace that he promoted for the, the nations who are, who are doing business with the British Empire that was employing him? No, I don't think Adam Smith even believed the things that he wrote down in his Wealth of Nations that was published in 1776 as a, a, a scientific argument to justify why the new colonies that were striving for independence should not have protectionism, should not inf influence the economy, should just basically stay liberal. Let the markets decide what value is. Let the speculators decide what has value. And that would be the best way, as they say, you know, uh, the hand, the, uh, an invisible hand is the best way to rob you. <laughs> um, and, and that way your sentinels would be down. Nations would be unguarded from being raped and pillaged by the, the manipulative factors of the city of London. So this idea um, was premised on the idea that anybody who asserted a moral value onto the world was an authoritarian dictator who should not be respected. Because if, if you if you were a nation state and you had a leader representing the interests of the people saying that, no, we're not going to allow opium into our country. That's what China said in the, in the 1830s, right? We're not going to allow this opium that's corrupting our people to come in through British free trade. And they, they forced the opium to be burned. And the British said, well, you're breaking the, the rules of free trade. And they, they brought gunboats and waged war against China. And they did it again years later. So the idea is, well, why is that? Why is that a tyrannical, evil thing in the eyes of the, of the British Empire? Well, it's because people have a right to do whatever they want to do, and the the devil. The, 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 my my wife was making this point to me the other day, and I, I liked it. But the idea of like Lucifer is somebody who is being perceived as being persecuted by God. It, it's somebody we should empathize with, and just look, think about Netflix and, and Amazon Prime and the shows and the movies that feature Lucifer um, as a. A figure who we're supposed to empathize with and kind of even like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um in many many shows that's always a theme and why it's because lucifer will let you do whatever you want he's liberal he's he's cool <laughs> uh god is the authoritarian who's the square who's always putting limits on us that's actually the hypocritical evil thing that's been trying to hold us back from our our freedom to do whatever we want for for thousands of years so you got this whole spin that's what the british liberals who are followers of adam smith were followers of, of jeremy bentham or earlier uh, uh, Bernard Mandeville, we're all advocating, you know, and and so ultimately these guys are actually Satanists. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, said Aleister Crowley, right? Do whatever you want. That's the Anton LaVey, same thing. All of these creatures um, who then took over 
you know, the U.S. government, like like Elron Hubbard and uh, Jack Parsons, were working with Anton uh, with with Alistair Crowley, Alistair at the Ordo Templi Orientis, the OTO. Alistair Crowley was a British agent working in World War II, overseeing the Lusitania inside job, the sinking of Lusitania. That was a, a, sort of like a proto 9-11 in, in many ways. We're on 9-11, so let's talk about that, right? The, the Lusitania was the 1915 sinking of a, yes, of a ship was. carrying American people, but also weapons. Weapons, yeah. It was going off to, to yeah. supply the, the allies in World War II. And Alistair Crowley was the guy working in New York on behalf of the British Empire, acting like a German agent, warning his contacts in Germany that this boat was going uh, carrying all, the, all these munitions for the war that made it then a uh, fair game to be attacked by a German U-boat with the idea that by killing all these civilians who would be on that boat, that American popular sentiment would turn towards approving getting the U.S. into the war that it had not been in yet. So Alistair Crowley did a lot uh, on that front. And so he wasn't just a Satanist, the beast, the 666, right? But he like he called himself the beast. Um, he saw himself as the Antichrist. But he was always loyal to British intelligence, British the British Empire. And he created and cultivated um, a leading faction of high-level psychological warfare operatives, including L. Ron Hubbard, uh, who created a, a synthetic you know, UFO cult in America around his own synthetic religion um, that became Scientology. And, and again, to this very day, many you'll find many figures within the establishment are members of Scientology, even now. Um, same thing for Jack Parsons, who was exploded right. in a, he was eliminated at a certain point. He had his own role to play as well, uh, bringing in the occult to to corrupt American uh, scientific. Um, you know, sorry, yeah, go on. A, a kind of a side spin on that. I've talked to several Scientologists, and um, they do they do believe that they are a law unto themselves. But maybe this is something that, I don't know. But they do not believe that they can encroach on, a, on other persons or their property, and they have to do what they agree to do. And I, for me, that, that works for me. I think I can do whatever I want to do as long as I don't mess with you and your stuff, or if I have an agreement with you that I do what I agree to do, then I can do whatever I want. Isn't that the whole point yeah, the, of the, being a spiritual being? The problem, the problem is it, it's designed to get you into a myopic identity where you think about me first in a localized in fashion. And the more the brain is wired, conditions itself to think about my personal freedom and my personal immediate set of experiences, it becomes hypersensualized and it loses the ability increasingly to think about what the whole is doing. Well, I, I think so just, the like, just the I opposite. Just the opposite. I want to do drugs, you know, like, yeah, sure. Okay, I want to do... I respect somebody's rights to want to do drugs, but at the same time, who's controlling the drugs? International narcotics are being top-down controlled by the yeah. by the Wall Street and London banks. But I mean, if you're going to do things that hurt your body, uh, that's not that's yeah. you know. But I I think it's just the opposite that when you get a real big picture view, that you have an idea that you are just one of billions of souls, and that you're going to do whatever you can to help them because of your awareness. So I don't think it's myopic at all. I think it's the opposite. You have personal, like I am, I am sort of an anarchist from the standpoint of a Renaissance anarchist. So I believe that, that freedoms come with responsibility. Right. So any, the only freedoms we have are those that are associated with responsibility. Um, the freedom to do whatever I want to do is not a freedom because if there's no responsibility to it, it's not a freedom. 
What do you mean there's no responsibility? You have to be responsible for everything you do, right, Matthew? Everything. You should. You should. You should. But the problem is a lot of a lot of a lot of people are not at that epistemological development. Yeah, Yeah, I can't speak about a lot of people. If if the condition of freedom is an epistemological development to have your conscience and your reason matured to a relatively uh, normal, so-called normal level. The, the problem we get is we're also, um, we're, cre- we're, we're beings who ha- are being artificially influenced by culture war to keep our culture mediocre, mediocre as sin, so that we think what's normal is what's stupid. And to the degree that you can stupidify the, the standards of what is normal to become like, I believe my baby should be jabbed with experimental, sure. you know, mm-hmm. Jab to keep my baby safe, and I believe that your baby should also be forcefully jabbed to protect it's, my it's, baby. It's threatening my baby, <laughs> right? You see how quickly this could turn into um, a weaponization of the mob around the idea that um, they have freedom to make decisions, but they're not actually. None of the, these decisions are coming from them because their their standards of judgment are so rendered mediocre. But that's they isn't can't Matthew, think about the whole. Isn't that how, a- like? Isn't the, that the all, pharmaceutical industry works? Isn't that all choice, though, Matthew? That people are allowing themselves to be programmed. Nobody beams stuff into your head and changes you. Each soul has to make a decision what they accept. So these people are being programmed. They're uh, they're allowing themselves well, to be programmed, right? Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't think it's all an either or thing, right? Like I don't. Th- we're all responsible for ourselves. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The fate is not in our stars, but in ourselves. But at the same time, we do have this oligarchical agency playing dirty games to bring out the worst in us. Oh, of course. On right. so many points. It's always been like so that, the, though. The problem it's is, always been like that. Well, right? It gets better and worse, though. There's, there's yeah. moments where we abrogate our responsibility and we permit the oligarchy to get more influence at different times in history than at other times. And I think one of the problems we have now is the Rockefeller-funded education system that really got underway in the, deep, about boy. a century ago. Yeah, it's 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 designed to stupidify and destroy our powers of using judgment and integrating ourselves as a person, as human beings whose whose emotions and intellect are meant to flow together in a mature manner. That's designed almost scientifically to be compartmentalized and crushed and 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 uh, um well, yeah. you see the effects of that. Yeah, well, isn't so that what the devil is? Have this, isn't that what battle? Isn't that, that what Satan is? fought against? Yeah. But to the degree that, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Sorry. isn't that what Satan is? Has always been what people have called the devil or Satan. This is these forces that are trying to keep us from becoming evolved and more spiritually evolved and aware. Uh, Earth has always been like that, hasn't it, Matthew? Always been like that. Yeah, I think I think the intention to destroy the good. Um, is something which human beings have had to deal with for a long time. And I mean, I don't believe in uh, just, just between you and me, I don't believe in like a supernatural force of Satan. I believe that I believe in evil, but I believe that evil is done by humans. I have a certain epistemological wiring. I'm with you. I'm sorry. I know it's choppy. eh? I'm I'm seeing, I'm seeing my, my picture. That's okay. Shop and uh, stop periodically. I'm with you. There are there are there are lower forces that people who have free will, the evildoers, they're they're the ones doing it. I don't think there's a there's some kind of mystical force called Satan that's trying to do this. It just I don't think there is either. 
Let me let me have this uh, for what it's worth. Let me do this email. Uh, could you please ask Matthew if he thinks the reason that they can go full speed ahead on the one world government is because the technology to do this is here. My understanding from reading Carol Quigley is that the technology was the top rep. The top representative has has meant that they can consolidate and rule over the many. Um, so, did you understand what they're asking here? Um, no, I, I think that in my research, and I, I've written a series. I would, I would advise the the reader to go to CanadianPatriot.org. Um, I've written a series of books called "The Clash of the Two Americas," recasting sort of history from 1776 to the present with this focus on when did the old, at what points in history did the oligarchy come close but fail to achieve their goals of total feudal control for a top-down unelected uh, class of technocratic managers ideologically committed to total control and depopulation on behalf of a higher master class of hereditary uh, bloodlines. This is not a new thing. It didn't just appear onto the scene in the last 20 or 30 years. As Carol Quigley pointed out, this has been ongoing. And I've, in the course of the book series, um, my research has led me to understand that they have tried desperately well before the age of current, our, our current age, when technology was, you could say, primitive, more primitive. Um, they tried this in 19... 1920 with the League of Nations, which was supposed to succeed. The League of Nations was supposed to be the end game that would see the road, and it was run by road scholars that Quigley talks about. It was supposed to replace nation states, create a one world bankers dictatorship, create a one world military with a with a collective defense operation. And, uh, and then in, with that power centralized, uh, enforce a depopulation agenda. John Maynard Keynes played a role in that. John Maynard Keynes played a role again in 1933 in the Bankers Dictatorship Conference in London, which again came close but failed. In both cases, they failed. And again, John Maynard Keynes was deployed once again as a Fabian society leader, a eugenicist and a Cambridge apostle who's a high-level grand strategist in 1944 to represent the British delegation to promote the idea of a one-world currency, a bancor, to enforce um, a new mathematical system of controls over the bank of the world and of the nations of the world. That was opposed by the Franklin Roosevelt faction who always resisted and there were intense battles that were waged between the Americans who were defending for the defending Africa and, and other nations to have the right to develop and industrialize against the will of, of John Maynard Keynes and the British mathematical economists of the British Empire. Um, they won that battle, but they lost the war in a sense um, because the John Maynard Keynes failed once again to achieve the one world government he was assigned to to uh, to promote at that time. But as I mentioned earlier, Franklin Roosevelt's faction was purged after Roosevelt died and the American deep state, the British run deep state in the United States took over controls. So they've been trying for a long time. And I, I've noticed that the reason why they failed, like they tried in 2009 as well. I, I've seen no evidence in, two, you know, when COP14 was happening in, in 2009, when Obama, Sarkozy, Merkel, and, and so many others were brought together in uh, Copenhagen. The promise was that a one world, uh, a new global governing mechanism to enforce carbon, carbon reduction quotas was going to be finalized and agreed upon by the participating nations. 
I see no reason to believe that that was just uh, that was that that was meant to fail. It, in fact, when I looked into it, it failed because sovereign nation states, especially India and China, but also some African nations, Russia, uh, wouldn't participate. They resisted the whole time. The mm. Indian and Chinese delegations locked themselves in a room for four days and uh, refused to come out, even though Hillary Clinton and Obama took turns begging them to come out. Um, it was an, it, and we've we it's been written out of our recent history. It only happened 14 years ago, <laughs> so they've been trying. Even though the technology of 2009 was more primitive, they they did want it, and they want it again today. And it's it's I don't think it's a question of is the technology only are they only acting now for their new world order because the technology is so is as advanced as it is today. No, it's not. It's not even that advanced. They act like it's more advanced than it actually is. They can't even make, you know, they talk about AI and, and machines replacing right. human minds. They can't even make a, a, a photovoltaic cell with a fraction of a fraction of the efficiency of a, of a, of a leaf that God made in nature as far as transforming solar energy into useful work I for agree. chlorophyll. I, I think it's all overblown of this AI stuff. I think yeah. they're just trying to scare people. Don't you That's love all these doing, articles yeah. about yeah. these people are now worried about it because it's going to take over the world? And you can tell this is what they're doing to try to convince you that AI can take over the world. It's just a computer, for God's sake. You know, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, well, it's playing the role of a new type of demonic force that yeah. the, the masters, the, the new pharaohs right. are saying that they have control of these, these demons <laughs> that, can, that have this supernatural power. So who yeah. are you, slave, to try to talk about freedom and resisting the, uh, the masters? I agree. When the masters have demons, where's your, where's your demons to control you, that you can use? You don't have those. Just yeah. obey, obey. So, yeah, it's, it's a mind game. They're screwing with their heads. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's just a relational database that's all it is and whatever they put in there that's what it's going to answer it's just hilarious mm -hmm. to watch it matthew i i really appreciate that you really see that too i mean it's just it's just a, it's just a head head trip isn't it the whole thing is just a just a big game this ai stuff and now everybody's totally using it you see yeah. articles no, now I mean, it, it's the irs is going to use it to to trap people and you know you know everybody and their brother they're going to use ai to do this you know Doctors are going to use AI to tell you what's wrong with you. You know, this is where it's going. Yeah, it's, it's all just algorithm. It's, it's a way to get an, an algorithm, just a computer formula to replace human right. thought, human minds. Right. And, and the, the danger here is that it, it's, a, it's a good corrupting way to, stu to increase the already stupidified people and especially the experts. Yes, sir. Because we're told that if we want to... Um, if we want to learn the art of thinking and be respected and have a job, we have to use the the methods of thinking that are encouraged in the academia or in peer-reviewed studies, which basically is, is evidence-based best practice, which involves uh, turning off your personal powers of judgment like a machine mm -hmm. and instead allowing these algorithms to think for you, which are themselves shaped by forces you don't even understand wow. to, to, as you pointed out, you know, process selected data, ignoring data that disfavors the outcomes that the programmers desire be, be the outcomes. Yeah. And you have like a small body of insiders who are overseers, like like new priests overseeing the, uh, yeah. the, the, the new rules of the game that we're supposed to think are laws of the universe that we have to abide by. And it's like, well, no, we're, we're just being screwed with. Oh, well said. Well said. All right, let me just take a quick little break. I love that one, boy. He nailed it. Yeah, these 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 people are hilarious. Okay, the way we uh, do things here, if I can quit coughing on my 
orange juice, is that we promote a lot of cool products. If you would like to, to go into our store, you can see below the video a link to our store. And we have all kinds of great things from sa a sauna, which I, we really love. You can do the hydrogen machine. That's a great, wonderful product. This little guy is a air doctor, an air purifier that's remarkable. It's very intelligent, more than AI. It actually speeds up when you cook bacon and says, oh, you got bacon in there. Let's take some of it out of here. It's a great product. Uh, Pearl Sim, it's a wonderful product that uh, um, Dr. Rulin Shu, a um, quantum physicist, she, uh, she created. And you can brush your teeth with this and your teeth look sparkly-warkly. We have sulfur, one of the most pure sulfurs out there. We have a great product called uh, Blue Shield, developed in Australia about 25 years ago, and it helps your body to deal uh, more efficiently with um, electromagnetic fields. It doesn't block them. It just helps them do that. I'll show you a picture of the sauna. The only way to get the sauna is to email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. So these are just a few of the few of the people that we work with. Also, if you want to buy some gold and silver coins, could be a good time to do it. And uh, my good friend, Fred Dostoevsky, has a wonderful company. It's called U.S. Coin Capital. U.S. Coin Capital, C-A-P-I-T-O-L, 800-878-2646. Now, he only deals in real American money. So these are gold, silver coins that are at the mint. He has a good stash of pre-65 gold and silver uh, dimes, quarters, and halves, and silver dollars that we call currency silver. You can buy those. I think the minimum is a $1,000 uh, bag. And put those in your underwear drawer. And come the revolution, you just uh, you might, be glad to, <laughs> might be glad you have those. So we know that the monetary system is screwed, and uh, the dollar will uh, have its day. And uh, in our opinion, that uh, gold and silver is going to be uh, one of the big winners here. Maybe some cryptos, who knows, but we think gold and silver is going to always survive. It's the only real money. So 800-878-2646. So, and also, thank you for donations. People are starting to send us 10 or 20 bucks a month, and that's great because our sales have been kind of punky of late. So, so thanks for that. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're talking with Matthew Arrett. He's a journalist and uh, co-founder of Rising Tide Foundation. Tell folks a little bit about uh, your work and where they can find more of your stuff, Matthew, and sign up and get your stuff. Yeah, sure. Uh, they can go to risingtidefoundation.net. It's a little bit more educational, cultural, um, and it's a nonprofit that I set up with my wife, Cynthia Chung, who's a co-author with, with me on a few websites. Um, she's just written a new book as well on the uh, roots, the uh, the roots of fascism going back to the 19th century. Um, and the, yeah, it's it's a fun one. Um, <laughs> she's doing a second book actually right now on the occult, the the occult aspect, the theosophical um, dynamics um, of Luciferianism, but also that that were behind the growth of international fascism, both in, then and also now, and how the various theosophical sects. Uh, spun off in Russia as part of the, the within the Okrana networks within uh, British intelligence, American intelligence, 
Um, mm. So that's going to be a, a scary, interesting yeah, week. When that, I want to talk to her after that's pretty finished. soon. I'd love to talk to her well, about pretty that. Pretty soon it's going to be in. Yeah. Have you, yeah, have you noticed she, that, that so many of the, um, of the liberal talk people thing, you know, out there, that they're starting to call all of people, many people like you or I maybe, or Trump fascist? This is a, this is a big word they're using now. They're throwing it around. Have you heard this? We're fascists. We're fascists, man. Hey, yeah, domestic terrorists, fascists. <laughs> fascists. Um, yeah, no, that, that's We're actually, We're uh, when Biden came in, there was a, um, a cleanse, a purge of the U.S. military as well, a massive purge for the first, uh, was it three months or so? Huh. And one of the conditions in their, their policy document was that any any soldier, anybody who is spreading uh who is questioning government authority is potentially a domestic terrorist if you're and they had a whole list of things like questioning authority of the government makes you that and um there's a few other things to but yeah no basically that's the idea is they're they're taking what they began with international by, by trying to uh, weaponize us against the idea of a whole civilization of of of, of muslims was our enemy Mm. Um, and they, they really worked hard at psychologically profiling the American psyche, you know, as well, the Westerners to become, uh, to believe that these, these Islamic fascists, that's what they call them, Islamic fascists, Dick Cheney yeah. and yeah. Newland, right? 9-11, right? 22 uh, years ago. Yeah. Destroy our freedoms of the liberal democratic order. And that's what 9-11 was all about. Yeah. 22 years ago. And so they? we had to rally support for uh, a new crusade in the Middle East that was going to be a never-ending war, like the original crusades were a thousand years huh. back. It was like a design to get, uh, you know, Christians to kill Muslims in a never-ending forever war. Uh, but it required that we psychologically um, fell for it and, and called our French fries freedom fries because the, France, the French weren't co uh, cooperating with our bombing campaign of Iraq, right? <laughs> So they're, they, but they've now turned that inward so that the population would now uh, find this anger to the other as their neighbor who lives in the same country as them, mm. um, which would justify then why we should put certain people in camps or take away their rights to have rights to voting or decision making over what they get injected into their bodies because they've got bad opinions, wrong think. So yeah, it, it's, it's oh, a very it, dangerous turn. It really is happening. Um, so got a couple more emails for you before we go but um on the let's go back on the BRICS thing is this going to be the kind of organization where say if uh the united states wants to go full on with putin and really come out out of the closet and, and go against and have a war with russia instead of just funding nato that then china and the rest of the crowd they're gonna they're going to feel like they're being attacked as well is that the kind of organization it's going to be? Yes. Wow. That's, yes. Not, that's not good. Um, that's, well, I mean... I mean, depending on what side you're on here. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've, they've, they've already been pushing the expansion of NATO from being a North Atlantic Treaty Agreement with 14 nations, or 16 nations, which it was in 1995, right. to becoming 30-plus uh, nations now as part of a broader... Central Asia uh, treaty agreement that involves a Pacific component with a Pacific NATO that they've been trying to consolidate now for a number of years. But it, it, this is being led by U.S. military encirclement, both of Russia and of China. So the U.S. military has brought in 130,000 troops around China's perimeter, starting in big time with Obama's Asia pivot, hmm. which is now seeing military missile shields in South Korea. Uh, they want to bring in Japan. They've got Japan to 
to get rid of their, their pacifist constitution and allow now for aggressive wars in defense of Japanese allies. So they're trying to inflame also a romanticization of the Japanese fascists who uh, killed upwards of 13 million Chinese in, in World War II. They're trying to glorify them like they've been doing with the Bandera Ukrainian fascists in Ukraine. They're doing that there. They're doing that in Taiwan, where the Taiwanese collaborators with Jap Japan of World War II are also being celebrated now as heroes. And uh, the U.S. military industrial complex is trying to use Taiwan again, like they're using Japan as well as, right. as forms of, of Ukrainian operations to justify, um, again, the idea of a full spectrum dominance, a one world government with a one a, a first strike nuclear capability that could destroy Russia and China, especially which are nuclear powers and, and take out their ability to respond to a, a nuclear attack. That's been the idea. This is now also involving cyber and bio warfare attacks like like Victoria Newland's husband wrote in the Project for a New American Century document 33 years ago was uh, cyber war, bacteriological war, space warfare are going to be the new domains around which 20, 21st century conflict will be in, uh, done. And in that document, they point out the only that Russia, China and Iran are the three primary enemies that have to be destroyed in order to create this foundation for a one world government. Wow. So that's still what the battle plan is. They laid it all, it all out. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, let's take this uh, phone call. Good morning. You're on the air with Matthew. Who's this? Oh, this is Sean and Sharon up in Seattle. How are we doing, guys? We're doing good. What's up? Oh, I love your work, Matthew. You're doing a great job and everything. <laughs> I, I just yeah, always like to ask about just, just like the uh, the language you use or we, we all use and is out there, the one world government and, you know, all this stuff and exposing, you know, the truth. I, I guess what I try to uh, come across is should we not address, you know, that we don't even have a government uh, just like in America. I mean, we lost that when we went incorporated 152 years ago. And so... When we talk about government, I think that that's what misleads so many people in the world today when we keep using, it's just kind of like Patrick exposing, hey, there's no such thing as a virus, so let's stop calling or, or a vaccine that, you know, there's a man-made biological weapon. But that's where I, I guess, have you addressed uh, that, uh, you know, and, and focus on that? Like, Hello, people, we don't have a government. We have a corporate corporation of federal state city county we don't have a government that everybody thinks that we have here in america yeah they matthew there's a lot of people ago. like sean that go into this and the whole structure of this thing is evidently not what we've been told do you can you comment how we deal with that as americans and canadians well yeah this sort of touches on what you and i have already been addressing a little bit about the cultural uh, corruption. If the culture, if we, we, we are beings of free will and yeah. we, we can go along with, uh, corruption or we can resist it and fight for justice, even if it means our lives will be made more difficult or even let's say, um, we might lose our lives, right? Hmm. If we're, if we really, really are committed to truth and justice, we're willing to, uh, do things that will hurt our bodies. If it will mean our souls will be preserved we'll, we'll, our, our conscience will be satisfied right and that's that's what caused people to be willing to risk their lives in world war ii to stop the danger of a, of a nazi-run world government back then with a banker's dictatorship in london 
Now, not everybody who fought understood all of that complexity I just stated, but they were willing to give their lives for the idea that their children, their their freedoms were going to be defended. So that's something that I think is, is first of all, the most important thing. Do we have a culture of excellence and morality or do we have a culture of mediocrity and stupidity that normalizes which one? And as John Adams said, that early on this republic, the American Republic is made only for a moral and religious people and is wholly unfit for any other kind of people. Hmm. So to the degree that your, your citizens give up their, their moral values, then the republic will be usurped by demagogues, by those who will use the arts of sophistry to make the, the true appear false and the false appear true. And the mob will, you know, mob rule <laughs> will take over from what should be a republican democracy. So I, I don't necessarily adhere to the, 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 I know that it's going around a lot, this idea that the America was lost in 1871 as it became a corporation. Um, in my research, there, there are mechanics that are one thing, like legal, legalistic mechanics. But what would describe after 1871, why did the oligarchy have to kill President Garfield and President McKinley and President Warren Harding and President Franklin Roosevelt and President John <laughs> F. Kennedy? And Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy in, in 18 in 1968. So there's a fight there. There is a there. There is a fight that the oligarchy has been continuing. If, if they if they won the game and we lost the nation back in 1871, I don't see why there would be this historic battle that would that continued over the subsequent generations over patriots who did so much to to fight the oligarchy, both domestic and abroad and gave their lives for that. And also participatory uh, actions happening on the state, local and federal level by citizens who took responsibility like Martin Luther King was never elected to a position of authority, but as a, as a normal citizen, not from a high born family, he took responsibility like Paul Robeson earlier um, and many others, Fred Hampton, to organize, um, to use his freedom, right? to organize processes, even if it meant going to jail because certain laws were unjust, that, that then changed because of his life, his life was lived in a certain way. He actually changed laws and, and created new conditions, new norms that were better than what existed previous to his actions, whether in Selma, Alabama, you know, and, and all, all of the other fights, both for the civil war, uh, civil, civil rights fight, but also to stop the war in Vietnam and other things. So there's this whole like, contour of history that people tend to just ignore thinking it's all irrelevant because we lost the nation in 1871 um, when it became a corporation and then we disengage uh, from having any sense of responsibility in the current fight that's currently now underway when we fall for that and I think that intelligence agencies the sort the sorts that that created things like QAnon back in 2017 which which as General Flynn has made the point it was QAnon is an, an intelligence agency run psyop to get certain specific effects in the population, which they got, um, of people who are just sitting back watching the show, trusting in the plan, and not be, not taking responsibility as they should have been doing, and now we're in a situation where a lot of like otherwise patriotic act people who could have been active patriotic citizens are all like freaking out because they weren't doing anything for the past four years, trusting the plan, 
as now, right. <laughs> you know, you have like Bill Gates run genetically modified mosquitoes that can like be released, you know, into Florida or Texas to spread malaria or whatever else that they want to spread or laser beams in space that we've like, you know, that are, that are now like ready to like burn our, our towns or communities to a crisp if we're too disobedient. So it's like people need to realize that we're part, this bad that's happening is partially because of the way of feeling and thinking we've allowed into ourselves um, as, as citizens who became subjects. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, as doing nothing. It's just like, you know, you could end the whole, uh, uh, men uh, swimming, uh, men running in women's races and everything. Yeah, yeah. All women yeah. would grow some, grow some, grow some cojones and not jump off that diving board, not start that race. You know, it would end in one second if all women would grow some, some sacks and just say <laughs> no. Start. It, it, it would end in one day, and, yeah. and that's why I say this corporate structure would end in one day if everybody understood the corporate corporation that runs the world here that was created and said no it's just like what was that punky brewster the mo- the movie back then or you know vote vote no or vote for vote for this knucklehead and everything you know uh if everybody didn't vote and they understood that they're voting for you know, the president of uh, Microsoft, they're voting for the president of Starbucks, they're voting for... Yeah, look, I I would just say, I'm not against voting, but people have to realize that to be a citizen means to do much more than simply vote. Um, It it means you have to be an an active citizen participating and holding, like burning the feet of those who are Mm. uh, representing the population. And if you're not holding them accountable, we'll get the people, we'll get the representation that we deserve. We'll get the whores who work for Monsanto or, or Pfizer. We'll get that. If that's if we expect mediocrity and we expect corruption, we'll, we'll get corruption. If we don't do anything, we'll also get corruption. So, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's more of a state of mind to be a citizen, whereas a lot of people have been brainwashed to think we just have to vote every four years or every two years or whatever. And, and then that's, then we've done our duty. And, and just that, that I think has resulted in decades and decades of corruption. Yeah. It Th- was never that. Sean, oh. thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Uh, we got to, we got to move along here because we got to let Matthew go soon. Uh, one radio network.com. Um, can you ask Matthew his opinion on the recent wave of people that believe most politicians and perhaps Famous people, not in politics, are being blackmailed, hence they are owned by the oligarchy. You know, a lot of that going around. Um, any ideas on that? I, I would tend to agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in short, um, that, that's, that's certainly um, one of the mechanisms of controlling and influencing the system as you compromise people, as we've learned from or many have learned from Jeffrey Epstein's sure. operation, um, or earlier Reverend Some Young Moon and the Moonies, who had a huge amount of influence in especially the 80s um, and into the 90s. And I think even to this day, they, I mean, Ep- Reverend Moon owned the friggin' Empire State Building, for Christ's sakes, you know? And, and I mean, there's a lot of congressmen who would get Rolex watches and, and be brought to parties with young underage, uh, no- you know, North Korean girls called the, the Reverend Moon's Angels. And God knows what was done with these kids and what films were, uh, were were made or photographs were made of these congressmen in compromising positions receiving money from this cult. Um, 
But it was always an intelligence agency. It wasn't like it was a, a North Korean conspiracy, you know, where Reverend Moon came out of North Korea. He, he he was himself processed while the U.S. military was was controlling North Korea, and he was mm. a, a guinea pig under MK Ultra, who was conditioned just like they did with Charles Manson or the Unabomber. M these are all MK Ultra operatives who were programmed to have a messiah complex, a, a, a schism personality. Certain drugs and other things were probably used. Uh, the shock therapy process was used to to create these synthetic personalities that would then be deployed and used for intelligence purposes uh, in the Cold War. So, um, yeah, I mean, compromising, they've compromised a lot of our, I, I brought up the Scientologists earlier. I mean, a lot of the leading Hollywood figures, uh, there's a lot of Will Smith, his wife, but, but, but also a lot of politicians and people in the intelligence community um, are, are uh, been through OTO or OT, you know, operating feet in like seven, eight, and a lot of this stuff is designed to depattern and deconstruct the mind and the identity and the reconstruction of identities around something much more useful to an oligarchy. Um, that's also done in the the cult, you know, the o, the OTO, the the Ordo Templi Orientis, in a more condensed uh, fashion. But they're all different variations on the exact same theme with the same effect. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if we should go here, but we probably will because they sent it in. Do you? Uh, what does Matthew think about the Holocaust? Holocaust revisionists that suggest the Holocaust death, est death estimates were inflated. I would say that um, I have seen certain amounts of information which uh, makes it possible that there was fewer than the official number of people who were uh, murdered. Um, and I, I've actually had people who I've heard say, oh, it's it was only like the actual IBM records, which were never fully made public. Um, but what has been released indicates that it was probably more like one million instead of six million. And I don't know. My point is, if it was one million who were uh, murdered in concentration camps by being worked to death and, and, and whatever else, then it's still murder and genocide and horrific even if it wasn't six million it's sure. still it's still yeah. murder consciously under a mathematical uh eugenics based governing class that um did have r seriously racist uh cosmology and a belief in darwinian eugenics that did kill uh you know hundreds of thousands of german people under their health care reforms the t4 health reforms they did believe in eliminating the useless class and rendering the untermenschen, which which is described in in Mein Kampf and other places, the 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 Slavic underhumans, the people who were genetically born to be slaves, mm. and the idea was to turn Russia into a slave colony, and the idea there was a version of it for the Japanese, where the Japanese saw themselves as uber, over humans, uber ubermensch, um, overseeing the slave colony of China, who they saw the Han Chinese as being their underhumans would be their their slaves um so you know there's a lot of i think in the alternative media community there, there's films like europa there's a lot of work uh Dave, there, there's a lot of work that's been trying to spin our history by by first recognizing that we've been lied to on 9 11 on bankers conspiracy we most, much there's so many lies yeah. that people then are ready to believe the very opposite that nothing that either nothing is true or the opposite opposite is true from everything that was believed and thus Hitler is becomes the good guy in a lot of these narratives because he we were told he fought the bankers 
even though you know the Duponts, the Morgans, the the Bush family, the the Bank of England made a fortune bankrolling and funding Hitler even into World War II. So uh, it's 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 oversimplified to cartoonish extremes towards the good and towards the evil to the point that we li- we lose the type of lessons we would be able to to normally learn. In, in such a manner that we would be able to discover the, the return of, of Nazi fascism in our own backyard, mm-hmm. which people then can't see properly how it's happening once more. You know, you know I think it's, it's curious how this whole computer-generated image thing and holograms and the whole technology, with as you've seen them, they, mm-hmm. they've created girls on computers that make uh, hundreds of thousand dollars a month, and they're not even real, you know, because guys think they're real, and mm-hmm. and you know, pay extra to see them in a bikini. I mean, it's crazy, but you know what, Matthew? Mm-hmm. I think they're going to also use this to to uh, protect themselves because they're going to you know you're going to come up with old films or something like that that prove that show something. For example, I posted a film that that surfaced. It, I I think it was I, you know I don't I don't even know what's authentic anymore. But it showed these charges going off in Building 7. And it actually showed them go off, you know. And, and then it came down. I saw that. You saw that. But then we had people that came yeah. on, then, uh, you know, social media say, well, you know, this is a fake thing. They just, they just made the thing. So they're going to be able to use this same technology to, yeah. I mean, we're not going to know what is real, right, with the technology. We're going to have no idea what what is, I mean, how are we going to know? <laughs> you know, Biden yeah, could be no, a hologram. Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. People have to learn how to, I think, focus on anomalies more. Right. You know, like th- th- there's th- this thing where we're we're conditioned to want to be spoon fed the right answers, yes, and that's a bad mental habit. Whereas, you know, if you look at the anomalies, like you, you just pointed out, buildings that are un- un- under only controlled demolition go down that way. Of course, yeah. and and when when you look at like the Pentagon building uh, that had like 380 people who died. The, the, the pathway that the supposed plane took involved a, a moving through an area that clearly had um, light posts all the way down the side, or maybe they were electric posts, I forget. But had it been a plane of the characteristic of what we were told slammed into the Pentagon, then all of those would have been taken out by the wings. That didn't happen. So it must have been something that wasn't a plane in that case. It must have been a missile of some sort. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, we're people that's an anomaly the, the mind will normally look to paradoxes and hold on to that a healthy mind and in and then ge- use that to generate a new hypothesis that satisfies and resolves the paradox the, the and under the, our our world today we're we're so mentally sloppy and unrigorous <laughs> that we either just believe what we're told by the experts or or we then go to the other extremes and then we're like well maybe you know, the whole thing was a hologram. And, um, you know, you, you got these other extremes in this case. And, and so, again, I think it's, it's important to, to more more than the, the details of the mechanics, though, because people have waste, wasted the last 23 years of their lives living in, in 19, uh, September 11, 2001, right. and not realizing that the world has really changed quite a bit. And you could write books and millions of books have been written dismantling the mechanics. But what's more important, I think, is to look at, well, why did it happen and what changed? So, you know, like, it's like, what are the names of the people who killed JFK of the three kill teams who triangulated the shot? Um, who fucking cares at the end of the day? Sorry for language. Who cares at the end of the day? It's like, what changed in the world right. because of the murder of JFK and the coup d'etat that happened 
over his dead body. That's more important ultimately than the mechanics of at what angle in the bushy knoll or grassy knoll did this shooter get shot? And when, when did he go back to, uh, when, when was he flown back to, to Mexico or, or, or France via, via Mexico as part of the organization of, uh, of l'armée secrète of, that was trying to kill Charles de Gaulle that was brought in and coordinated by the CIA. You know, it, like these are useful. It's useful to know the mechanics. Kind of at the fun, end of the day, it becomes a fetish. But, but your idea and that we, we got to look at that. How did things yeah. change since, uh, uh, you know, since that day? And they, they, they've changed a lot. I mean, these people have been on, yeah. they've been on the run. Hey, the last, the latest JFK thing I saw by Jay Widener, he makes a pretty good case that, that it was a squib thing, you know, like they do in the films. You know what I mean? They put it on here and there was blood and then he escaped through the, you know, through the trunk and he, he just left. He never, he never was killed. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stories, you know, all kinds of crazy stories. That's fine. I didn't, I didn't hear about, I heard the one about Lincoln not having been killed and instead going to underground bases a member of the Illuminati where he lived out his days in Mexico to old age. I mean, there, there's all these things that have been, but it's like, it's like, where did these come from? They're, they're there because they were inserted there by intelligence agencies that are that know how to how to screw with our heads they're 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 they're, they're playing with <laughs> they're, us they're it's good. like a game they're good do you know the 22 years ago today yeah. to this day i don't think we ever saw any kind of pictures of the pentagon after it happened do you did they show anything i mean did anybody ever see a engine of a plane or a plane sitting around no. i mean it's just it was so, I can't believe they, they pulled that the, one, uh, one off. The video yeah. footage, uh, the security cameras were all eliminated. Nobody ever saw the, the footage from the security oh. cameras all over the uh, the Pentagon. And, and the few eyewitnesses, like there was one guy, you know, who went on TV that night saying, yeah, I was sitting in traffic. It was some, some, some guy was obviously like a CIA asset. He was like, yeah, I was sitting in traffic and the, I watched the plane go in and here's <laughs> a part of the plane that I, that, that I have. And it's like, here it is. Now you can believe me. Go back to sleep. It's like. <laughs> These are not very convincing. Like, like uh, the passports we found on the sidewalk. That's more, one of my favorites oh, in yeah. 9-11. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> you know, jeez. Well, here we are, boy, 2023. And On the issue, though, of the, yeah. of the passports, I don't know, how, how long do we have? Oh, whatever. I got a few more have? minutes. I got a few more minutes. Yeah. Okay. Because the, 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 the thing about that, too, is, is you know, the 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 um the actual operatives who were assigned the role of I, the 19 or so hijackers who were assigned the role of playing their role um there's some weird weird anomalies there on top of the fact that like none of them were from iraq or afghanistan right they were mostly saudi nationals mostly connected to the saudi embassy via prince bandar bin sultan Prince Bandar bin Sultan having been a, a family friend of the Bush clan going back decades, and as well as Prince Charles, King Charles. Oh, good. Prince Bandar and, and Charles were very close friends from the 80s when he was overseeing the BAE Saudi arms deal. So BAE uh, military systems would send weapons to Saudi Arabia in exchange for a tanker of oil a day to Britain. Um, that's mm. what that was that was brokered by Prince Bandar. It created a slush fund by selling this oil to the black markets. Um, which then created a mass, hundreds of billions of dollars of money that would be unaccountable for by any defense department or Pentagon budget or anything that could then be used on funding operations like 9-11. But a lot of that was kind of like the Saudis themselves became like a, a useful cover story for those who would um, break away from the popular narrative of a lone guy in a cave 
right? Doing this whole thing from, from some cave in Afghanistan. <laughs> so then for the slightly more creative people, they would realize, oh, there were the 28 pages classified from the 9-11 report dealing with the Saudis. And then you got this other picture of, okay, maybe it was a Saudi conspiracy to undo America. And then people, they're like, aha, and that's where my mind is going to stop. I've got the passports. It's all obviously fake, but it, but it points me towards the, a Saudi conspiracy to undo American liberty. And it's like, no. And then they stop thinking. And it's like, wait a minute. It's kind of like Oswald, E.R.V. <laughs> Oswald, having been sent to Russia for a year or two uh, by David Ferry and, uh, and military intelligence before the hit of JFK was carried out. Why? Because if people didn't believe, for those who didn't believe in the official narrative of a lone gunman killing Kennedy, people would then be, who are a little bit more outside the box thinkers from the John Birch Society, would be like, ah, no, see, he was just in Russia. It was a commie conspiracy to overthrow our liberties. And, and then they create these sort of red herrings. Yes, yes. Right, for us to fall into as sub-narratives. Yes because they know that there will always be a certain amount of the population that will think in terms of conspiracy theories and won't believe government narratives. So they want to capture you in another subnet. Hmm. And then there's subnets around subnets to capture fish that jump out of the bigger nets. <laughs> and that's the way that they work. They, 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 just, they clutter the terrain, the, the mental battlefield yes. with a bunch of these minds for you to like step on and then get sucked into a new narrative that appeals to whatever the shape-shifting lizard thing or the queen's a uh, uh, hologram or whatever the the white hat QAnon thing or whatever the intergalactic aliens blah 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 so there's all these sub narratives to accommodate people from different proclivities and the those who would normally have arisen to become the new martin luther king juniors or malcolm x's or fred hampton's they're then dismantled we they destroy the ability to have more of those potent human beings wow. emerge uh you know because they're too busy falling into one fetish or another right very clever you know very clever you know these people know what it's they're clever. doing I, I, no, yeah. no. it's an evil clever I, I i think this has gone on with the germ thing i'm not a germ guy at all i've done so many shows that there is no germ never been isolated just been made up you know yeah. the germ theory is just a theory and i think this entire china virus started by trump because it were released from some lab, and that's just a red herring too. There's no evidence that anything was ever released. They've never found any kind of China virus thing in somebody's body and said it was a contagion. They've never done it. It's just all been made up, I think. Absolutely. It's all been made up. And Absolutely. They'll be Patrick, <laughs> you, you said it, brilliant. Yeah. Exactly. No, the, the, the fact that there was no, I'm, I'm good friends with uh, Denis Rancourt, who's a professor in Ottawa, and he did some amazing authoritative work. You should have him on, actually. He's, he'd, be, he'd be a good guest. What's his name? Um, but he's done Denis Rancourt. He's a, a, a professor. I mean, he's he's a really intersectional thinker. He's good on geopolitics as well, but he really did great, great work um, on these studies demonstrating that there's been, there was zero all increase in all-cause mortality. Um, during the whole time, we were told there was this, like, you know, black, black plague pandemic uh, spreading around the world, killing millions. No, zero excess mortality. Uh, all-cause mortality until the rollout of the jabs and then is where you start seeing the all-cause mortality increase so there was for people who get sucked into this was it a natural evolution of a thing or did it come from a bio lab it, they all fall into the same trap of believing that this really was what we were told it was yes. as this killer yeah. you know uh virus and no it was the protocols that were put by governments onto people 
in false intubations that shouldn't have happened, isolating people, um, all of these other things, mislabeling them statistically, right, and calling everything that was flu um, COVID. All of that's what caused COVID before the or the deaths before the the jabs, and then after the jabs, it was the jabs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and yeah. Fauci's probably a stooge too, doing this whole gain of function. How can you have gain? There was nothing there to function. It, it was just. I think it's just made up. I think it's just made up. You know the whole thing. Well, look, I, I do. It's just that I do think that there are weaponizable sure. pathogens. Yes, as yes. you know, Hiro Ishii from Japanese Unit Seven Three One uh, demonstrated when he killed something like you know ninety thousand human guinea pigs in World War Two before he was given a new job by Alan Dulles working at Fort Detrick, Maryland, in nineteen forty six with his entire bacteriological warfare unit but i think these are more these pathogens are more related to bacteria than they are to these things called viruses i believe and you have to take them um, in right some way bacteria does you have to take them in right some way either injected or in the food or the water or something you just can't throw them out yeah. in the air and just and hope they land somewhere i don't i don't i don't know enough i'm not an expert okay. on this but but from what i'm gathering yeah we've definitely been lied to about the model about what or the definition of what a virus is yes, it probably it seems to have whatever this thing is seems to have more in common with a form of bacteria than it does anything like this pseudo half living half dead back virus thing that has these characteristics that's never been isolated no it, it's something else um but it is a thing and i think that you can weaponize these things and they have been done with the tuskegee experiments like there's sure. been so, all sorts of, of biological warfare experimentation on humans and i think that there's a certain amount of ethnic targeting which um has been done to wire certain things like you could genetically modify a food or a seed you can genetically modify a bacteria to get certain effects on the macro level of those who receive it yes, in by food or injection or whatever. Mosquito. Can, there might be aerosol forms too, like spread by drones, as we know that there, uh, there's been by the Ukrainian uh, defense ministry using drones made from Turkey that were designed to use the, the some form of bacteria from the US run Pentagon bio labs. It, the, there's 46 of which are exist just in Ukraine alone. Uh, spreading that over onto onto food onto farms in Russia across the border of, of Donbas, and same thing in China. China has watched a lot of this stuff over the past over a decade. Um, that has destabilized or, or or created weird contaminations and and little mini pandemics since 2012 hmm. of cattle, of livestock, chickens, poultry, other things. Some humans have gotten a variety of weird bacterial infections that have spread. So I don't know, but I think that the Chinese and the Russians are legitimately concerned. And I think that they have been sort of on DEFCON 2 since this thing broke out, wondering if this was the, um, the what the neocon crowd said that they were going to do in the Project for New American Century Rebuilding American Defenses report of September 2000, where they, you know, they call for space, you know, cyber space and bacteriological warfare. Uh, being the domains with ethnic targeting against Chinese and Slavs, which the the neocons pointed out directly by name as being the the key two uh, genetic stocks that we have to figure out how to how to map out and then target, and then they did it with anthrax. So the whole anthrax attack was another inside job, begun in September eighteenth, two thousand and one, and this was another again complete inside job by the U.S. military intelligence which then justified the growth of Dick Cheney's BioShield Act and the the growth of the international bioweapons complex, 
which is totally opaque. They don't, they don't allow for any observers or any investigators to go in to see if there's any regulations being maintained. None. Hmm. There's over 300 of these bioweapons facilities as the Chinese and the Russians have been trying to make very well known at the UN Security Council over the past couple of years. Nobody will wants to listen to them. No Western media covers the reports that the Chinese and the Russians have been making about this. Um, but it's real. That's mm. that's something definitely we should be thinking about. Yeah. Okay. This is a final one, but it just popped in. Let's do it in just a few minutes because I have to go do another show. Uh, I get the feeling okay. this is from um, Molly. I get the feeling that Vladimir Putin is kind of like a good guy. Does Matthew think there are any good guys in government? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> do you, can you get in the, one yeah. of these jobs and be still yeah. be a good guy? Is it even possible? I I, I like. I like Putin. Yeah, I like Putin. I, I listen to a lot of his speeches. Do you? I, yeah. I've been following him very closely for about 20 years. Wow. Um, I started getting more political and, and getting into political activism on a serious level back in 2004. Um, and I, I've been paying attention to this pretty closely, looking at his policies, following as many of his speeches, his addresses, his speaking to students. Um, I do the same thing with Ch with China too. Like I, I read the transcripts translated by Xi Jinping. I like I like Xi Jinping as well. Really? And China and Russia together have a a very very serious bond of survival on every level you could imagine: cultural, economic, wow. political, uh, security. Wow. Um, Big time, right? So yeah, I, yeah. I think there are some some honorable people out there yeah. in, uh, that are able to use political power even at this at this day. Yeah. And how many Russians were killed during the Second World War? I mean. Cabillions. I mean, just he's going to protect Russia, isn't he? I mean, he just is. You know. Yeah, Russia took on 90 90 percent of the German Wehrmacht. The most hardcore of the Nazi killers were taken up by Russia. That that lost twenty five million at least people. Wow. Um, China also lost upwards of thirteen or fourteen million um, people in their fight against the the Wall Street funded fascist machine of Japan. Wow. Um, so, I mean, the reason why the New World Order, the Nazi fascist world order under a banker's dictatorship of, of transhumanism failed to succeed back in nineteen in the 1940s when it, when it almost did succeed was primarily because of the sacrifices made by Russia and China. And we were all duped to believe that Russia and China are our, our intrinsic enemies during the, the Cold War under McCarthy, McCarthyism mm -hmm. and the John Birch Society and J. Edgar Hoover and, and all the, these other freaks. <laughs> who uh, got us to, to stop looking at the, the British Intelligence Occult Bureau, the Aleister Crowley's out there that were the real agencies met, you know, creating our, our, our deep state, our fifth column, which was not run by the Kremlin or Beijing. It was always run by the same London, this London cabal with a Venetian, you know, core that uh, represents the old families going back to the days of the Roman Empire in Babylon. And it's wow. the same thing today. And this the London cabal are the ones that are uh, dying on the vine, and the reason BRICS is, is emerging, correct? The, kind of the, the beginning well, of Well, I, mean, I, I don't like using the BRICS as, this, okay. as if it was this heroic thing, because originally the BRICS idea comes out of a Goldman Sachs operative in 2001, who put out the model of, of trying to, he, he was assigned the role of, of undermining what was already happening in the 90s, which was this India-Russia-China alliance around Primakov, Zhang Zemin, oh. some Indian patriots who were recognizing that they had to band together and Iran was playing a role. Um, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization grew out of that. But um, that had to be undermined in the way that Goldman Sachs was assigned was to 
come up with a new model that would bring in Brazil, which at that time was more controlled by Banco Santander and was and its its economics were based much more on uh, bio bioethanol speculation, which was a bubble, a time bomb that was going to be able to blow up and destroy the bricks from within. But that that changed around 2010 or so when South Africa was brought in, but also the character of the BRICS became less focused on dependency upon speculative flows of uh, things like bioethanol. And it was much more tied to things like what became the Belt and Road Initiative, hmm. the the emission of large scale credit for big projects that were as associated with real world economic abundance and influence and uh, creating um, overcoming the limits to growth. So that became the new organizing principle. And that's when this thing started acting more in harmony with something I recognize as being more in alignment with natural law and more in harmony with the best of what the US was before America became crazy. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's what I think well, is scaring the grand strategists of London and Wall Street today is that, but though again, like I said, there are still operatives associated with the World Economic Forum and very bad crowds within some of these nations who have influence, especially we see it in India right now. Um, we see it still in Brazil. Um, there's, there's, I think Russia and China have overall done a better job of de-weeding the deep state operatives. Hmm. China's done probably the best job wow. of, of extracting a lot of these, these traders. Um, Russia still has more of them controlling their central bank which is problematic, but uh, the fight is on. They're, but again, they're just doing a better job than we have, we've done here in the transatlantic. Yeah. Well, Matthew, you're one of my favorite guys to, uh, to tell us where all the bodies are buried. You know, you just, I, don't, I don't know how you remember all this stuff. I don't, whatever, <laughs> whatever you're taking, you should put it on the market. Matthew, thanks a lot. Uh, Rising Tide Foundation, he visits from time to time. We really appreciate it when you come on our show. Take care of yourself, Matthew, all right? Let us know. My pleasure. Okay, brother. As always. Thank you. Bye. Matthew Everett, OneRadioNetwork.com. Yeah, he's a cool guy, man. He knows all this stuff. He's like, whoa. Okay, so we're going to take a little break, and um, we are going to talk about, what are we going to talk about? Uh, in about 10 minutes or so, we're going to talk about uh, a, a uh, documentary that I'm going to produce and get some insights from David Weiss, also known as Flat Earth Dave, about this documentary. I think you'll find it fun. I thought we would just do it out in the open rather than me just talk to Dave about this stuff off the record. I mean, that's no fun. You guys might as well be involved in it as long as I'm going to do this project. So um, stay right there. We'll see you in about 10 minutes. I love you all very much. Thank you for your support. Thank to Matthew Errett. Support him. Rising Town Foundation, Canadian Patriot, too. And um, we will see you in about 10 minutes here. OneRadioNetwork.com. Thank you. May the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. <laughs>